Welcome to the MFR Coaches Podcast, where we talk about how you can create a six-figure MFR practice. I'm your host, Heather Hommel. Not only have I been practicing MFR for 11 years, I'm also a life and business coach, especially for MFR therapists. My goal is for you to understand how to get fully booked, how to talk to your clients, and how to make sure they understand what's possible for them with MFR treatment. I'm here to help you stop under earning, overworking, and burning out. I'll lend support so you can create the MFR practice you've always wanted. Learn how you can do it too, even if you live in a tiny town, and even if you're just starting out, and even if you've ran your practice for years. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MFR Coaches Podcast. I am joined today by one of my friends and mastermind sisters, Kina Newell. Kina is the founder of Wealth Over Now, where she works with professional women and solopreneurs, I have trouble saying that word, to create new possibilities <laughs> with their money so they can save more, pay off debt, invest in themselves, and stress less about money. And the reason I wanted to bring Kina on today is because I just love talking to her. I love strategizing with her and I I love her take on money. She makes everything just easier and it's like no big deal. So Kina, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I like to make money. Not a big deal. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it is. Money is fun. Budgeting yeah. is fun. Ooh, budgeting is fun. Let's talk about the B word. What is your hot take on budgets? Who needs to have one? Like, what does it even mean? So recently I've been thinking and I've been sharing it more in my content that like budgeting is not a consequence. Mm. I think people associate budgeting with times in their lives where they didn't have a lot of money, whether it been like in your childhood or even as an adult. Like I think for me, I was a teacher making $30,000 a year, which definitely made me budget. And so I think people think like budgeting is for when you don't have enough. And I see budgeting as like a tool that helps you expand. Like when I learned how to budget, I was able to buy a house. I was able to pay off my student loan debt. I was able to start working for myself. And really like your budget is just a list of decisions that you make in advance. I love that. So budgeting is not a consequence. I'm just trying to think of like all of the ways I've thought about budgeting. And I do think I've used it as like a tool against myself. Like, oh, I got to be careful. So let's make this giant spreadsheet. (laughs) Yeah. Because when people think about like budgeting, they're thinking about what they can't spend money on. Mm -hmm. Being able to think about what can you spend money on. Yeah, that's so good. Okay. Give me some examples of how you've helped people do that. So one of my clients, and she's actually a coach, we've been talking about for her, she's like, Oh my goodness, like budgeting helps me. She's like, I think you've said this, Kina, but budgeting actually helps me be able to spend money. And so like, we've been working together for probably, I mean, well over eight months now. And like a couple of like notable things that I've seen in terms of like things that she's been able to do. We just started maxing out her husband's retirement because we have a budget. So like she's saving money now. Like when I think about wealth over now, if you haven't caught on to it, it's like wealth over now, long-term delayed gratification. We're thinking about, you know, (laughs) where are you at 65? And so like, we're already feeding into where they want to be when her and her husband decide to retire. But then even like we built a six month or she has a three month emergency fund right now that we were able to create like within 
seven months of us working together. And the other things that she's able to do is like one of her daughters really loves horses Mm -hmm. and she's been able to pay, like she rides horses as well, but like they have a, now they're like renting a horse, which is something that her daughter wanted to do. So like everything that she's spending money on, it's just a lot clearer because it actually goes in alignment with like the things that either her kids love or thinking about like the life that her and her husband want to create together. I love that so much. If we're thinking about like MFR therapists who are just starting their businesses, or maybe they've just found me, maybe they're thinking about like really coming in and creating a six figure business, seeing 20 clients or less. I think sometimes they're thinking making more money means you have to like work harder. And then they're also thinking, I don't even have the resources to pay for this program to create that life that I want, that outcome that I want, where I see 20 clients or less and I make six figures. So how could thinking about this idea of like wealth over now, like does that, and maybe this is like another question, but like, does wealth over now mean like you have to suffer in the beginning in order to have the wealth later? No, I don't believe in suffrage. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tina. (laughs) So this could be controversial, but on Instagram, there's like a a reel that's been going around and it's like, I identify as trans financial. I am a a poor person trapped in a rich person's body. But my one of my friends sent, sent that to me and she's like, this is you. And really it comes down to the fact that she's always like, Kina, that's a lot of money or that's expensive. But like, I am someone who enjoys quality. Like I would rather have less of something if it means that I have like increased quality because I'm actually going to be getting what I want out of it. Right. Whether like, I think about things that I've enjoyed spending money on like LASIK or having a home organizer, like I would rather pay for things like that because I get like a really clear ROI for myself. Mm -hmm. And so in thinking about your clients and where they're starting, like you don't need to suffer. What you need is a clear goal of where you want to be. And so I think if you don't, like you're talking about for your clients, it's like, okay, you have 20 clients or less. And for me, I'm like, okay, it's just math. If you want to build a six figure business with 20 clients or less, like how much am I charging these clients? Like, what does my pricing structure look like? What are the expenses in my business? And so when I'm talking about budgeting, it's also a matter of planning to look at like what numbers need to be true for me to be able to create the life that I desire. Because if you have a goal, it's going to connect you with why you're deciding to manage your money and the way that you're deciding to manage your money because you're working towards something. Mm-hmm. And then by the time you reach your goal, you're going to have a new goal and a new budget which allows you to spend more money and you're going to be working towards something else. Yeah. I think this idea that you can really, you can create whatever outcome you want if you have a plan for it. And it's like, decide the biggest goal imaginable. And then let's just like work backwards from that. Like what are all of the pieces that get you to like where you're at right now? Mm -hmm. So you have all these just little actionable tasks, like these ideas, these lists of things you can just cross off to get to where you want to go. What do you think it is that keeps people from like creating that bigger vision or deciding on a big goal in the first place so that you can start to make your plan? I mean, I think it's a couple of different things. I think it all depends on your own money story. 
Like, how did you see money managed in your own life? Like my personal story, I remember I was a vice principal before what I do right now. And I was making six figures. And I remember leaving my job and I told someone like a mentor casually, like, oh yeah, I just want to replace my salary. And the one question she asked me was like, what would happen if you made more? Hmm. And I was like, well, hold on, wait. And like, I hadn't thought about it, which sounds so funny to me now, but I hadn't thought about it because like, when I look at the pay scale, it told me like, you're a step three, you know, year 11. Like I clearly knew my next like financial benchmark. And so when I think about the people that you serve, it's like, where have you been told that this is the only, like, if you're going to be a therapist, you know, if you go Google it, which I don't even know, have you Googled it? Like how much do therapists make a year? Like how much do MFR therapists make? No, but I just, I just know that they don't make very much unless they're like making money on purpose. Like unless they've had someone that says you can make a lot of money. So I say that to say, right? Like if you are going about it from the route of like, let me Google to think about like how much I could make as a therapist, an MFR therapist, maybe, you know, it says like there's a range of 60 to $80,000. So without even intentionally thinking about it, you've placed a limit on your earning potential because Mm -hmm. you're thinking about, oh, I can only make $80,000 a year. I can only make $60,000 a year. And so some of it's just like a limiting belief and you have a money ceiling because there's someone else who told you that you can't make money, which is why they need to be in your world where there are people that are making money. And I have a strong belief that like people, everyone needs a money team. And so when you think about like who in your life do you have that can feed into you in terms of like, when it comes to earning, when it comes to investing, when it comes to like thinking about buying a home, whatever it is, like there's financial pieces that play in our life all the time, but like who's on your financial team, it may be a coach. It could be friends that you trust. It could be a podcast that you listen to, but just thinking about who's there helping you get over your own limiting beliefs to push you to the other side to see what's possible. Like, I think that's where when you recognize that maybe you can't do the dreaming for yourself and you have other people around you, like being in your community where you're like, oh, okay, Heather says I can make six figures. Like you start to water like seeds of possibility for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just was going to share too. Like I remember working with my very first coach and she was like, how much money do you want to make? And I was like, so hesitant to say the words out loud. Like I remember like the amount of shame I felt and like the just feeling like just red and hot in my body. And I was like, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars. And that seemed so far-fetched and like so impossible at the time. And like saying it out loud felt so dangerous and scary. And she, and her reaction was like, yeah, that's easy. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, excuse me. Like it seemed so hot and dirty. And I'm so glad though, that like I had that experience because I know that the people I work with, the people that are listening to the podcast, like maybe have some similar version of this hot and dirty experience when they think about making money or they think about having money or charging a lot of money for their services. It's like, they need, need to see examples of it so that it's safe for them to do it too. Yes. And please stop Googling while you were talking. I Googled how much do MFR therapists make? Mm-hmm. It says around $63,506 per year or $31 per hour. Yeah. And they're probably working so hard to get that. They're probably employed somewhere else. So they're working 40 hours or more a week. 
and then probably taking home notes to do, right? So it's more than 40 hours. And there's just literally no reason for that. Mm -hmm. The clients that I work with are really encouraged to see 20 or less. Like it's hard to think, especially for physical therapists and probably OTs, massage therapists don't have this as much or a little luckier. This like idea about work ethic and that like in order to be a good therapist and in order to be successful, you have to be seeing like 10 or 15 patients a day or like these crazy numbers. And it's like, you don't, you could see four people a day. You could see three people a day. Yeah. I'm curious what comes up when you're talking about pricing with your clients about accessibility. Oh yeah. The, I think the thought is it should be accessible and available to everyone, but like who decides, like, what does that mean? Yeah. It's one of the things that I talk about a lot with people. I work with people that are like in nonprofit spaces or they're like heart centered entrepreneurs. And we talk about accessibility and I understand what they mean by accessibility. I love when I'm able to donate my time and services, but I'm able to donate my time and services because I charge a set amount that allows me to create money so I can show up where I desire to show up for those that maybe like, it is a real barrier for them not to be able to work with me and I'm able to show up in a different capacity. So I feel like that's another flavor of that. Like work ethic is like making sure that it's accessible. I'm like, yeah, you, if you're charging 20 clients at $200 an hour, then maybe you do have one spot that's like, pay what you can afford. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you have like the ability to give it away for free at times. Yeah. But I think the mistake is, is that they think they need to start with that. They need to start being able to give things away for free or at a very like cut rate discount. And they set themselves up to fail because they can't support their business. They can't pay themselves when they do that Mm -hmm. versus like start with the amount you want, like the amount you want to make per year. And let's do the math equation back to figure out what the rate is for the amount of clients you want to see, which makes you feel the best in your body and then make that and then have the opportunity to give scholarships or discounted prices or sell packages or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, the horse before the cart or the cart. I don't know how that analogy works because I'm (laughs) not good at analogies, but it's fine. I function highly in my life. (laughs) It's like, you know, set yourself up for success so that you can then give away these things in in a way where you're not resentful and you you aren't doing it because you have to, or you're doing it to feel better. Yeah. Do you see that like is physical therapy or MFR therapist, is this like a luxury expense? I think for some people it could be seen. And I think actually the mistake that's made is MFR therapists believe it's a luxury. And so they sell it as a luxury instead of as a necessity. And I I fully believe that it is totally necessary. And like if people were spending their money on MFR versus luxury type services or things that have been labeled as luxuries, mm-hmm. it's a better spend on money, a better return on investment and a better long-term way to care for your body. And like for everyone, even for people, like I think we've had this conversation, like for people who don't experience pain or have chronic conditions right now, just having this therapy preventatively is like worth its weight in gold, especially for people who just want to experience their life differently. Like you don't know what you don't know until you have it. Yeah. And I was asking that because I was thinking about, I think I shared this with you um, when we met, like I hurt my back in December 
doing CrossFit, which I've done for many years. And then one day I heard like this pop and I was like, mm, can't pick my water bottle up off the floor. <laughs> and yeah. so I went and saw a PT that specialized in like dry needling. It was not covered by my insurance. But at that time, I don't know, you know this, I'm sure people listening, your back is really important. Yeah. <laughs> like I wanted nothing else but my back to feel better. And so for you to tell me that it was going to cost me $2,000 to do 10 sessions. Great. Will I be able to walk? Will I be able to run? Will I be able to get back in the gym? And so I feel like that's when you're selling your services, it's like, are you thinking about the value that it creates for your clients and like the results that it creates for them? Like, yes, there's a transaction and an exchange of money, but it's like, you know, the 63 year old grandfather that like wants to be able to sit on the ground and play with their new grandbaby, right? Like the $200 an hour, or however much you're charging, like the result is memories. The result is experiences. And so just being able to look at what you're creating for the people in which you're serving. Yeah. And I think that's such an important place to focus your time and energy on versus I think most people spend their time and energy worrying about what other people are going to think about their rate instead of really like thinking and dissecting about what is the return on investment for these clients when they pay this and when they get this service. What is that long-term return on investment when they work with me for an entire year when they spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars with me? Mm-hmm. And like kind of expanding their capacity for discomfort in around the money in general by like thinking about the full cost of getting the benefit of being pain-free and getting back to an active lifestyle, which usually happens outside of six to 10 sessions. It happens like probably over the course of six months to a year of continual treatment. Yeah. Now, do all clients opt into that amount of care? No, but like what happens when we start selling it in a way that they do because you're selling, like you're really focused on that investment and the benefit of the investment. Yeah. You asked me a question earlier that I want to come back to. You were asking me like what keeps people from like dreaming and thinking about their goals. Mm-hmm. And as you were just talking about this, I think about like another money block is like people think about money as being bad or evil. I know that like there were essence of that in my own life. And so when you're thinking about working with 20 clients or less, and you're thinking about like, especially the message that you're giving to people, which is like, you can make six figures. It's like really asking yourself the question, like, what if I don't have to struggle? I think that people actually take pride in struggle. Yeah. Would never say it that way, but that's been maybe what they've seen in front of them. It's maybe been their lived experience. If you are someone who you didn't go to college and like you've chosen what maybe other people consider as a trade job. Right. And so like you never saw yourself being a six figure earner and you just thought you were going to have to work really hard, really being able to actually sit with the question, like, what does life look like if I don't have to struggle? What would this mean for me? What does it mean for the three people that are closest to me? What does it mean for my mom? What does it mean for my partner? What does it mean if you have a child, like whoever that is, that's kind of like your anchor and really thinking about that for yourself, because that Like when I'm working with clients, like, yes, I love budgeting, but I'm coming back to this why, because like the numbers are just numbers. It could be seven or eight or whatever, but it's like this emotion that we place behind it and meaning that we place behind it. 
And so really just being able to explore like, yeah, what if I don't have to struggle? Yeah. And if the number on the internet is just completely wrong. <laughs> it's just made up. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so just being able to think about like, what does that mean? You know, maybe you've had aspirations of like, I want to be able to buy a house or I'd love to be able to help my mom if she got sick or I want to be able to have health care to go to the doctor. Like what can be like seemingly simple things for you, like really just being able to sit down and take the time to think about like, who is that person that's, that's not struggling because that's the invitation you're being given when you become a six figure earner, you are being given an invitation not to struggle if you manage it well. Yeah. Cause you get to six figures, right? Like this is the other yeah. thing, right? <laughs> I see this time and time again, where it's, I like this mile marker, but people, a bunch of people get to six figures and then they all start to like, just lose their shit. And it's mm-hmm. like, because the money stories aren't changed. Like you're still the same person you were, right? Like you just take yourself with you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and everybody fights me on this. They're like, no, Heather, if I just make six figures, like my life is going to be totally different. It's like, no, you get to six figures and like, you're still the same. If you haven't made any changes, like if you haven't really allowed yourself to dig into or like dig under, like, who am I without struggling? Like you're still going to struggle. So I like this part. I like this transitional part. I think it's like a good mile marker. So it's nothing to be ashamed of. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, I'm there. Like Heather, screw you. You know, (laughs) like you're a jerk. It's like, well, true. But also like, this is a good mile marker to be on in this journey. It's just to recognize that however you manage $30,000 a year, you'll manage $300,000 a year. So good. And people think that when I make more money, this won't be a problem, but it will be because it's your mindset. It's not the actual money. Yeah. And that's why like going back to budgeting is not a consequence. Every single six figure earner needs a budget. Because there's a reason that you wanted to make six figures because you didn't want to feel the pressure, right? Of like whatever the salary was before you had it. But I mean, I see it all the time. I have somebody in my inbox right now. She's like, yeah, you know, my child doesn't go to daycare anymore. It was $1,200 a month, but I don't know where the money is. And there's just money that's like, literally it, it will disappear if you don't have a plan. And so regardless of where you are in building your business, maybe you just found Heather and you're like, oh, this sounds really cool. Or you are at the the six figure, multiple six figure mark. It's like, I want you to have a plan for how you manage your money every single time that it comes in so that you're actually able to experience the life that you thought making more money would create for you. Yeah. And that does not happen by you just paying all the bills and hoping for the best with the rest of your money. Like that's going to leave you in like a paycheck to paycheck cycle or what I say for business owners. And I'm like, you're an invoice to invoice cycle. You're like, please client come. (laughs) Yeah. Client to client. Right. That's so good. You brought that up because I think a lot of people struggle with that or they figure out how to get fully booked as an MFR therapist. And then they have a week where like, they just have a bunch of clients that don't rebook or they Mm -hmm. have a lot of like, one-off appointments or a bunch of late cancels and then they freak out and it's like, okay, but if you are really thinking about this big picture and you do, you are budgeting and you are managing your money in a new way now, like a week without clients is not going to make or break your business. A month without clients won't make or break your business. That's the whole reason for having this Mm -hmm. budget. Yeah. 
I love how people like my people that work nine to fives and they come and work with me. They're like, Kina, but I get paid every once, only once a month. I'm like, okay, I don't care if you got paid twice a year. It shouldn't impact how you manage your money. Like the same is true, even with like fluctuating income, there's data there. Like there are numbers there that tell you trends. And so I always take people back to, I'm like, okay, how much money have you made over the last six months? And, you know, let's say in the last six months, you made $60,000. Well, we know that you make about $10,000 a month. And maybe if we looked back at your numbers, we'd probably see like, oh, some months you made $22,000 and there was another month you made three, right? But like, if we averaged it out, we can do something with the fact that like, we know on average, you make about $10,000 a month. Like that's going to help you make informed decisions. So you can do what you're talking about, which is like, oh, I cannot stress when I have a week of no clients or I can intentionally take off work and not Mm -hmm. be worried that, you know, my clients aren't here and being able to just like breathe easier because of how you manage and think about your money. Yeah. It just makes everything easier. I think when you have a plan and you like, for instance, I just made a big purchase for a trip that I'm taking in November. And I was able to make that purchase stay at this like fancier hotel than I've ever stayed at before because I know that I have the money. Like I know that I have it now. And I know that I I just know so much about my business. Mm-hmm. And making that purchase makes it super easy. It's just like, oh, I have a budget line item for this thing. Yeah. I won't even feel it, which is kind of new for me to be this organized with my money and to have projections and like, you know, all these things. Projections to me is like a made up thing that I couldn't put any trust into. Right. But it's just kind of like long-term ballpark budgeting. Right. Is that what you would call a projection? Yeah. And just being able to, yeah, being able to plan 90 days ahead, six months ahead, a year ahead for what you desire to be true. Yeah. And then can you just start to plan like even further into the future, the longer you do these things? Yeah. And like, I always like people to think about, where do you want to be when you're 80 years old? Yeah. And it's like, what would that mean that you need to be doing right now? One of the things that was super eye-opening for me, I never thought about it like this. And I'm not saying this to scare anyone, but if it does, maybe you need to reckon with your finances. (laughs) Just an open invitation. (laughs) But like I was talking with my financial planner and we were just throwing out different ages to retire at. And it's like, okay, you could retire at 60. And it's like, well, what happens if you live to be a hundred and from 60 to hundred is 40 years. And if you think about it, if you were retiring at 60, you could potentially be in retirement for more years than you actually like worked. Yeah. And so it was like one of those things when you like start thinking about like, okay, well, how much money would I need to live off of, you know, per year? And then what would that mean for the balance in my retirement account? Which I don't know. I just like had never thought about whenever we had this conversation, I just had never thought about the fact that like, I could potentially have 40 years where I didn't work and I didn't work for 40 years to get to this point. And so I just think that we're not retirement, I think is one of those scary things, which I think is also totally fine because depending on where you sit generationally, like my parents, they're both military. So they have like military retirement. And then my grandmother, she like worked for a company with a pension. Like you have those those types of like situations when you look at generations, right. Or like you have somebody who worked in the auto industry back when they had really good pension. So the 401k like vehicle is very new, the solo 401k, the SEP IRA. So 
you maybe not feeling like you know a lot about it is totally reasonable. We're all learning together. So just know that we're all learning together. And in the learning together, just being able to be comfortable asking questions about what you desire to be true when you're 80 years old, because it's going to help you make decisions now in your business. And I know that feels like very far off, but you can start, you know, dropping things in the bucket to make sure that you can retire with the lifestyle that you desire to create. Yeah. What would you say to people that are listening to this and they're like, they're older, they're, you know, in their late forties, they're in their fifties, maybe they're even in their sixties. Cause I've worked with people all the way up to, I think the age of just over 70 inside my program, Mm -hmm. women, Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily have a retirement plan. Is it too late for them? Or is there still things that they could be doing to set themselves up for when they get tired and they're like, some of these people, their plan is to never retire. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think it's because they can't retire because they haven't planned for the retirement. So it's like, I'm just going to work till my arms fall off basically. Yeah, yeah. And I would say it's not too late. Right. Like, I think that if you go into the, like, I'm not going to be able to retire, it's just going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. versus being able to engage like a certified financial planner who's maybe worked with people that are later in life, right. Of like, okay, you're 70 what are the most important things if we're talking about you living for the next 20 years? Cause it, from the financial point, it's also not just the like retirement isn't just about the money you have in the bank, but also being able to do estate planning. Right. And like being able to think about some of those other pieces. And so I, that's earlier in this conversation, I was saying like, have a money team. And so if you're at that point in your life on the money team would be like, let's actually have an introductory conversation with a certified financial planner one that's knowledgeable, one that's going to answer questions for you and not make you feel like you failed. Yeah. But really being able to help you see, like these are some tools that we can use for you right now that allow you to build some level of interest. Interest, I can't say words right now, interest. Um, And so allow you to be able to like draw money down, you know, when you're 85 and you're like, I think I have five years left, but I have a hundred thousand dollars that I was able to save in the last 10 years because I actually engaged in this conversation. Yeah. I like this idea of having a money team. It's easy to be like, get an accountant, get a bookkeeper and not even like necessarily know the roles that those two different people play. Right. But it's like, Oh, I just need these as the basics. Or maybe you only have a bookkeeper or maybe you only have an accountant. Like who's on a wealth team? Like, what does that look like? So I've been using, I want to back up a little bit. I've been using this money team terminology since coaching my clients this week. I think it's something that I like. like it's my new concept. It <laughs> is a new concept more so because I think I have it in my life and yeah. I have people that I go to for different situations. So I was just drawing on my paper. Like I thinking about like what's happening for you right now. Cause it may impact who's on your team. Right. So I was talking to one of my clients and a friend who they're in the position where they're like changing careers. And so I was like, you need people in your life that are making more money than you because you need to know that like, that's possible. Yeah. You also need people like on your team that are going to support you and being able to think about how you have transferable skills and you can market yourself. Right. So like, I feel like there's like these little touch points that they need, but like, I think on a wealth team, like from the business side, I definitely would want to see people have an accountant, 
some sort of bookkeeping system because like your accountant could be your bookkeeper or not. It could just be that you have QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. And then I think definitely being plugged into like a community that allows you to see possibility about what can be true for your business in terms of like services you offer, the amount of money you make, like you and I are both in a mastermind together. And I have really enjoyed seeing women, especially being like, wow, you make a million dollars. Tell me everything. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But like, I realize that I get to see that so often, like my brain doesn't even now it doesn't even second guess the fact that like somebody would be making a million dollars or making multiple six figures. It's like normalized. Yeah. I like that you said that because I was just thinking back to that story I shared when I like said a hundred thousand dollars out loud, like that same is true for me. Like now the goal is a million dollars and I talk about it all the time. It still feels like far away, but like also, yeah, yeah, of course I'm going to do it. Like I will hit a million dollars made in my business for anyone who's tracking (laughs) in 2024, like overall, since I started my coaching business and like, that's incredible. It is. Right. I don't have to do it in one year. Like I'm going to like hit it over accumulative and then I'll hit it sooner and sooner, but it's super cool. Like I have to remind myself like, yeah, this is just like happening no matter what now at this point, it's just, yeah, it's cool. I don't think I ever recognized that was something I needed until I had it. Right. Yeah. I wish somebody had told me probably in the beginning, like get around, but I probably also would have been really intimidated. Yeah. That, I think that is something else too, is like being able to be in a room like that without, I mean, it is intimidating, but like at a di- it's different. It's like, you still belong yeah. to it too at the same time. Well, I think I didn't join. I mean, we were in another mastermind together, although I never saw your little square on zoom. I know I was there though. Hi. <laughs> so, I think at that point in time, I believed I could make money, but when yeah. I think about where I was as a other spaces I was in, Like I have always been in a space where there were people that were ahead of me. Like I remember this one girl in like one of the first like group coaching programs I was in. And I was like, so you just pay yourself from your business? You like like, work for yourself. Okay. And I was like, all right, I think it's possible. All right. That's cool. And then I remember like even like having the idea that I can make like a five figure month. And my coach was like, yes, Kina, you could do that. I'm like, but no, it's like $10,000. Are you sure I can do that? Yeah. Or like even knowing what five figures means, like that kind of language didn't used to mean anything to me. Right. I remember having $2,000 in the bank and being, I had this conversation with my aunt who's very well off. And I was like, I have $2,000 in my business bank account right now. I was like, I am flush. I'm rich. Don't worry about it. I got this Sonic dinner. <laughs> I got this. Yeah. Let's go to McDonald's. I got you. Yeah. Do you want to supersize that? (laughs) But it's like knowing what you need, right? So I think we gave like a number of different examples where now we're in rooms where people are consistently making six and seven figures and also recognizing that you may not be there right now, but where are you in a room where like people are celebrating making their first dollars if you're making, like trying to make your first dollars. If you've already made your first dollars, where are you in a room where people are like, you know, fully leaving maybe a private or like working for somebody else to be able to start your own practice. So I like think that those, like when I'm thinking about a wealth team for a business owner, like those are important. And I also distinguished from my client the other day, I said, sometimes it may be people that it's not necessarily family and friends. 
It could be your coaches. And maybe it's not even a person. Maybe it's like a podcast, which I mean, I guess is like a person in the sense of like you listen to them and a person creates the podcast. Yeah. But just knowing what role a certain podcast plays for you. Like there's been podcasts that I've listened to in my business career. And like every single Wednesday, it was the thing I was listening to and getting inspired. I was like, I can definitely leave my job, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Which is like so valuable, right? You're listening to a free podcast and it like helped you leave your job and like, look at the, you know, that's crazy. I remember I used to like listen to Stacey Bayman's podcast, like every week, nonstop. I listened to all the replay, you know, everything in there. And then I found DL and like, I listened to everything, everything about having six figure launches and just like, I get so interested in that stuff and I can't stop listening to it. There's so much value in the podcast. And I know for people that are listening to this, like it's hard for my brain to fathom that people also do that to my podcast, but like they do that to my podcast. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's wild. But I mean, if you're an MFR therapist, this is, you know, the place to be to get this kind of information. Yeah. And also recognizing, right? Like what's the role of Heather when you think about your team, especially when you think about where you desire to go, like the whole point in having a team is because you want to shield. It's like building a shield around what you're trying to build because there's going to be people like your mom might not be able to be on your team. You know, when I told my mom I was leaving my job, she was like, Kina, that sounds good. You also need a job because you need to pay your house payment, right? Yeah. She's scared for you. Yeah. She's being a mom. And so like, she can't be on my team. I didn't tell her I was leaving my job until like, it was clear that I was not going back. And I told her, I said, I'm not asking for your opinion. I'm just Mm -hmm. letting you know this. Yeah. (laughs) This is what's happening. And so just knowing that like, some of the people in your life, you may not be able to take with you on this journey in the sense of like consulting them. Yeah. And so that's why like, maybe Heather doesn't even know this right now, right? Like you're listening to this podcast in secret, but like, you know, like Heather's my business coach. I listen to her every week and <laughs> yeah. I'm going to work with her. Right. But like, yeah, he's on your team to help you realize that you can sign like 20 clients and make six figures. Yeah. It might not even be another MFR therapist. Like maybe other MFR therapists, like outside of coaching, because inside coaching, everybody's on your team and we're, it's not a competition, but outside of that, like if they're afraid for you, that's not a good team member. If they're not making more money than you or like having an easier life, they're probably not the team member you want to look up to. Like you want people that are doing the thing that you want to have, like, or have the thing that you want to have on your team. You want that kind of support like spouses or your your partner, like are always this part of the team. They're a different team member, right? They're your bedmate or they're your shopping yeah. partner or whatever, but they're not your money team. Yeah. And being okay with that, you know? Yeah. It's totally fine. And you also want this team too, because it's like those people that I think oftentimes when people think about money, they have to talk about how much debt they're in or how much money they're making. And there's just a whole bunch of different conversations that you can have around money. Yeah. I mean, I talk about money, I think all the time. Like if you have a conversation with me. I'm pretty sure all roads lead back to the money. They all lead back to money. One of my friend's moms, I think I told you this, she's a therapist. And um, after I met you, (laughs) I like saw her, we're sitting down eating pizza. And I'm like, hey, what's your retirement plan? (laughs) (laughs) No real like warm cuddly no just like we're yeah. getting to this 
because I've been talking to her about raising her rates. And she did tell her daughter to tell me that she raised her rates. But after I met you, I was like, no, you need to go listen to Heather because I know you listen to me, but I need you to have somebody in your ear because you can't be a therapist forever. Yeah. And she's the same age as my mom. She's like 68. And so she just laughs at me. I've known her for years. Yeah. But it's like going to be life-changing for her. You know, if she's able to make some of these changes, like even at 68, like if you spend two to five years making twice as much money as you've ever made like that, what is that outcome or impact on your life? Yep. And she, it's so cute. Cause she's like raised her rates and she's like, and the clients, they didn't even say anything. Yeah. It's so funny how that happens. Like, yeah, and you're phenomenal at what you do. That's why. Yeah. And people just aren't so wrapped up in your rate. They aren't as wrapped up in your rate as you are. Like they're just not thinking about you. Unfortunately. Yeah. Get over yourself. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta stop it. Just stop it right now, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like one of the, like when we were in Dallas, like we were having breakfast and you were like, what's your budget line item for this? And I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I have one. Like I got to get back into my money and like touch it more. (laughs) Yes. So it's definitely a fact check that you do talk about money all the time. I know. How many times have I talked to you about MFR? Like a lot. How much research on MFR have you done now since I've talked to you about it? Well, I did find a, an elderly looking man that didn't have a good website. Yeah. He's not in my program. This is the other (laughs) thing, you guys, I am constantly referring people to MFR therapists. And when we go and we look at your websites and they're like, I don't know. Some of these websites are just sketchy AF. Like there's no booking link. It's just not clear what you do. It's really hard to recommend you. So just, if you're listening to this, like side note, like get your website cleaned up, Mm -hmm. get it cleaned up, make it easier. Don't be weird. Don't have 200 different offers. Don't have an old outdated website that just looks like a newsletter. Stop, stop. It's embarrassing. (laughs) It's very, very embarrassing. I will say, I feel like I can't say the word myo. Can you say it? Myofascial release. Yes. Thank you. On my Peloton app, when I do stretches, Mm -hmm. Adrian talks about it. I'm like, Ooh, I know something because I Heather. I know about this. Yeah. But I wonder though, are they having you hold it for five minutes or longer? Oh, definitely not. I mean, the stretch is only 10 minutes in totality, but I'm just telling you that he's, that now I actually know what he's talking about. Cause you were talking about how much research have I done? Yeah. I'm like more aware of terms that I didn't know about. Okay. I just want to be making sure because MFR myofascial release is a buzzword now which is great. And it is now our work as MFR therapists to get the correct education out there. It's like the world only wants to hear a piece of what MFR is like in whatever bite-sizable, boxable, I don't know, bullshit that we can feed to the world that's being fed to the world right now, which is misinformation, right? Like in order to really engage the fascial system. Like it has to be for five minutes or longer. And like, and you have to make sure when you're stretching or pressing into it, like you're not at end range. Like you don't start at end range. You like start at like just at the barrier where you feel something at all. If you're engaging that barrier and then you're holding for five minutes or longer, or you're just only releasing your collagen. So Mm. it's like, do you, or your elastic barrier? Sorry, I said that wrong. So like, do you want to release 20% of your system, or do you want to release like a hundred percent of it? It sounds painful. It's not though. Five minutes. 
because you're not going, you're not starting at end range. You're like starting where it like, just like, you just get that sensation of like it hurting good. And even like maybe before that sensation and throughout that five minutes, like you're, you're continuing to sink in and go deeper and deeper, but it's very slow. Like, it's just not intense like that. Mm -hmm. You're not pushing through. You're not going to end range. Okay. Yeah. I trust you. I'll show you next time I see you. I've treated so many of these coaches, you guys like, (laughs) don't touch me. (laughs) Oh no, you're getting it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So funny. Okay. Well, I appreciate all of this discussion. I think it really just leads back to who are you guys if without struggle and really thinking about this question and journaling on it or giving yourself like 10 minutes to just write about your identity, figure it out. Like, are you someone who identifies as someone who struggles? Have you moved beyond that? Where is there still like sticky points so that you can really suss this out and then, you know, decide who's on my wealth team. What are the current things that I'm using to advise me in my life around money? Mm-hmm. Is it a podcast? Is it nothing? Is it my dad? Is it my cousin? Is it Elon Musk? Like, God forbid, please don't let it be him. But you know what I mean? Like anybody, like who is it out in the world that's influencing your... Yeah, your and who's, who's on your roster? Maybe who do you need on your roster? Maybe you need to trade some people out. Yeah. And I was just going to add to the struggle question, just in case some people are like, I don't identify as struggling. I would say like, what would happen if you doubled how much money you would make? So like that can also get you to that point of like expansion. Yeah. And you might ask yourself that question and be like, I can't see anything. (laughs) I can't even consider it. Is that like, that's where you need to like do the work. Like I, one of my exercises I do with clients and I love it when they're like, I don't know how much money I want to make. I'm like, great, we're going to double it like write up a budget for this amount of money. I love that. That's so cool. And how fun to like, yeah, it's just math, right? Like after you come up with your goal, everything is just a math equation. Mm -hmm. But I go back to this, like, what would you be able to do with like the people that you value, what you value in life, right? Like I have a lot of like philanthropic clients. And so they're like, oh, I'd be able to give and I'd be able to, you know, do these things. And so it's like, it's exciting to be able to see how they could play if they made more money. Mm -hmm. I like that idea of like it being playful and like, what can you play with when you put yourselves in in these positions where you actually have money instead of just think about having money. Mm -hmm. So good. Money is fun. fun. Okay. We're going to have to have you back on another episode. And I think you guys, I'm going to get Kina to come in and do some coaching because she's too valuable not to bring in her skill set into the program. So we're going to create something and it's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thanks, Heather. Stay tuned. All right. Where can people find you? Tell us about your podcast and all of your links. Oh yeah. I have a podcast called Money Files. And so wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find me there. You'll see me on like an orange top smiling. And then um, you can also find me on Instagram at Wealth Over Now and wealthovernow.com is my website. Okay, great. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate this interview. It's been so fun for me. And I'll, I'll see you later. And I'll see everybody else. Or (laughs) I'll talk to everybody else next week on another episode of the MFR coaches podcast. See y'all later. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. My mission is to help every MFR therapist become a part of the movement where no MFR therapists ever under earn or burn out. 
Join my 12-month coaching program. You'll spend the first 90 days setting up your foundation to create your six-figure business. Then you'll go to work and uncover exactly what's holding you back from the business that you want and desire. Get support while you raise your rates, set your policies, and learn how to talk about MFR and how to sell MFR in service of your clients. Learn exactly how you can do it too, even if you live in a tiny town and even if you've had your business for years. This program is open to all MFR therapists who want to create what is possible when you stop playing small and start showing up in your full power as the John Barnes trained MFR therapist you are. Put your magic to work in the world and help more people get out of pain and back to active lifestyles. I'll help you do it. Go to www.themfrcoach.com backslash coaching and sign up right now.